are watching a generation be lost. Today, 79% of the children that were raised in a Christian home and were in church at age 10, 79% of them are not in church by age 20. 79%. If that doesn't move you, something's wrong with your spirit. I'm serious. I read her report just a week and a half ago. In 2017, from January 1 to December 31 in 2017, 70,000 Americans lost their lives to opiate overdose. From January 1 to December 31 in 2018, 68,000 more Americans lost their lives to overdose and opiate. In 24 months, 138,000 Americans lost their lives. I sat and cried. They stepped into eternity probably not ready. And it, does that move you? you know, that, makes, that makes El Paso and Dayton and Chicago look mild. 138,000 entering eternity in 24 months. That's, that's like a war. Folks, we, and, and, and as, I, as I sat there crying, and I, I read it to one, I said, Wanda, did you read this? She said, yeah, I did. And, and I could tell she had tears in her eyes too. And I, I said, so what's our responsibility in view of this? Folks, it, it is time as a church, we've got to make a decision. We're going to be difference makers. Now, we, Wanda and I faced this same thing in the 1980s. There was a tremendous move of God was going on in the early part of the 80s and the mid part of the 80s. I've told you about that. But then something shocking began to happen in the middle of the 1980s and on into the late part of the 80s. 1987, Jim Baker fell morally. Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. Jim, Jim Baker fell morally. And uh, he, was, he was a televangelist. He was the host. He was, his wife at that time, Tammy Faye, were hosts of a Christian broadcasting network called Praise the Lord. And they, they built... They, they, they were trying to build a Christian Disneyland there in, in the Carolinas. And, and anyway, he fell, he, fell, he fell morally. And that, 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 that shocked Christianity. But then on the heels of that, in February of 1988, one of the, one of the premier evangelists in the world, Jimmy Swaggart, fell morally. Jimmy Swigert had the largest broadcasting of, of the world. He was on over 3,000 stations and cable networks around the world. It was huge, his television ministry. And he fell morally. And then he 
he, he fell again in 1991. That just, that just shocked everyone. Just sent everyone just staggering. In, in, in the heels of these two major, and, and there, there were some others that fell, but, but what, what happened was it caused, it caused a good segment of the church to get on her face and go, oh God, what's going on? What are you doing? And a, and a little mini revival kind of spawned out of that. I say a mini revival because it didn't become a real full-blown that just really changed the face of America, but it, it was a mini revival. And it came because the church began to relook at herself and go, where are we at? We're in another season. A few weeks ago, Joshua Harris, author of I Kiss Dating Goodbyes and, and another book and pastor of a mega church back, I think, in Ohio, he announced that he and his wife were separating and then they, they divorced. But not only that, he, he also renounced what he wrote about Christian dating or the lack thereof, and, and the moral high ground. But it's, it, it's like that wasn't enough either. Then on social media, he renounced Christianity and has embraced the LGBTQ and proudly marched in a gay pride parade. apologizing to the LGBTQ people for his previous stance and position. That, that shocked the Christian world, but that wasn't the only shock that hit recently. Then Marty Sampson, songwriter and lead singer for Hillsong United, announced his resignation of Christianity and, uh, and openly talked about all the questions that he had accused Christianity of not being authentic and not being real. And the weird thing is all, all the questions that he's saying Christianity is not addressing, I mean, they've all been addressed many, 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 many times over. In, in, in all of my graduate work, I addressed all of those things. And I've addressed those things many times in sermons and in Bible studies and things. It's, it's just, it, it's, it's his own renunciation of Christianity. Ah, that's not enough. We've still got one more. Beth Moore, one of the leading women's Bible study leaders in America, major spokesperson for Christian women's ministries, Recently, she announced that she was apologizing uh, for and, and actually expunged a portion of one of her books uh, because she was being, uh, according to her, she was being less than gracious to the LGBTQ community. And let me, let me read to you what she expunged from her book, Praying God's Way. Um, sorry, it's going to take me a second to get there. So this is this is the the portion that 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 she expunged. Quote: Before we proceed to our scripture prayers for overcoming sexual strongholds, we are wise to address another deadly sexual assault of the evil one in our society: homosexuality. I have wonderful news for anyone who has struggled with homosexual sin. God indeed can deliver you and anxiously awaits your full cooperation. Do not let Satan shame you into not seeking forgiveness, fullness, and complete restoration in Jesus Christ. I know complete transformation is possible, not only because God's word says so, 
but because I've witnessed it with my own eyes. I know plenty of believers who have been set free from homosexuality. If you have a sound, spirit-filled, restoring church, you probably sit near someone. She expunged that from her book because she is now embracing the idea that someone who is homosexual or lesbian can also be a born-again believer and still be in that lifestyle. And dear ones, what, what we're seeing happening is a whole new era inside the church where we are seeing a call from God. He's calling us to make a difference. Now, here's the difference between what happened 30 years ago and what's happening right now. What happened 30 years ago were moral failures where Jim Baker was restored. One of the one of the significant people in, in his restoration was Dr. Billy Graham himself and his son Franklin. Help restore Jimmy. Many of these men that fell morally were restored. They didn't renounce Christianity. They, they fell morally. They repented of their sin and they were restored. Thank God for that. Amen? I mean, God is a restoring God. What we see happening right now is not just a failure morally. We are seeing an entire renunciation of Christianity, a renunciation of the faith. This is a significant turning. What, what do we see here? What is going on? Well, I'll share with you the, one of the key components of what is going on. Get ready. It is the fact that this generation... We have an entire generation of leaders in the church today that have never seen or experienced an authentic revival move of the Holy Spirit of God. Because they've never seen that, they've never really experienced that, they have one of two things going on in their life. They maybe have prayed a sinner's prayer and maybe even had somewhat of an experience at that moment. And then they've studied the Bible, they've gotten into ministry, and they may, they may have seminary training, but with their seminary training, there is no face-to-face -face relationship with Almighty God. Because they've never moved into that kind of an experience. It's a head knowledge, but they serve God with their lips, but their heart is far from Him. It's not really been that kind of a face-to-face -face relationship with Almighty God. On the other side, you have those that, that have had that have, have prayed a sinner's prayer and they've had they've had emotional catharsis with Almighty God, and they've had experiences with Almighty God, and they've had experiences with Almighty God. But folks, listen, it's like anything else. You, you have experience, 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 but after a while, those experiences don't really carry because it's just an emotional experience, and it burns out after a while. And the last thing you want to do is have another emotional experience because it's not really making a difference. <clears throat> because, again, they have never had an experience that brought them face-to-face -face with Almighty God that became life-transforming, that moved them so much that they lived 24-7, 365 in a face-to-face -face with Almighty God. Amen. And as a leader... When they reached a crisis, their faith could not carry them through the crisis. In other words, we desperately need revival. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ desperately needs revival. And that's, and that's where we go to with what James talked about and what we've been talking about for the last previous six weeks. 
James says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Isn't that amazing? Jeremiah said it this way, I, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts for good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. That God says to you, I know you. I call you by name. You are mine. And I want you in this kind of relationship. Draw near to me. And I will draw near to you. See, is, 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 is that how your Christian walk is? Now, folks, I want to tell you something. That's a whole lot more than just coming to church on Sunday two or three times a month. That's like a day-to-day -day walk with him. Are you tracking with me? Now, now watch this. Watch this. Because we've got to take it a step further. Because there's... There's a question that we have to answer that's found for us in the book of Psalms in two different places in the book of Psalms. The first is found in Psalms 27, not 27. Uh, go to the next slide for me. I think it's 20, 25, 24. Well, okay, you're right. She's reminding me. I forgot to tell you this. Jesus told us the same thing in Luke 11 when he said to me, Ask, it'll be given you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And then he said this. This is amazing. For to everyone that asks, it will be given. To everyone who seeks, they will find. To everyone who knocks, it will be opened. Do you, do you see that in the scripture? Everyone. That's all of us in this room. See, he wants all of us in that place. But we still have to answer that question that we find in the book of Psalms. Thank you. <laughs> Go to the next slide. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in your holy place? We have to answer this question. Because God wants us there. He's asked us to come there. He wants us to come there. And yet I'm going to be honest with you. The overwhelming majority of the church has no clue what this means. And they've never experienced it. I would dare say the majority of the people in this room this morning. You don't really understand what that means. And how, and how that transforms your life. And the difference it makes when you take your Christian walk. From just being religious. And going to church on Sunday. And once in a while reading your Bible. To being a child of God that actively seeks the Lord with all your heart. So you go after him. And what that means. See, there was a time when for a child of God, when they were in trouble, they went to God. That's where they went to. They didn't immediately call up a counselor. They went to God. They went to God. Because they knew the path. The path to God was well-worn. It was well-worn. They knew how to get to God. Because that was, that was the norm. The norm 
was that it was it was the it was the few in the church that didn't do that it was the majority of the church that knew how to do that it was the few that didn't that was the difference in church then and now and that's why we've got to become difference makers We've got to become a church where the majority of us are the ones that know how to seek God and are seeking God with all our heart. So what does that look like? Well, he said it looks like this. Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. He said it's those who, in Psalm 24, it says those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Stop. That's exactly what James said. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. See, James was talking about this same thing. So we can, we can say James was talking about the same thing he's talking about here in Psalm 24 and in Psalm 15. He's talking about the same thing. And he goes on, he says... Those who have not lifted up their soul to an idol. In other words, there's no duplicity here. They've not sworn deceitfully. They have integrity in their life. Wouldn't, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you love it if we got integrity back in the homes, integrity back in the business community? Oh, God forbid. Integrity back in Washington, D.C., Wow. Okay, let's go to the next one because this gets really... Look what he says. He goes on. He says, those who walk uprightly, those who are righteous, those who speak truth in their heart. Do you speak truth in your heart? Do you know some of you, your biggest battle is you continually speak lies to yourself. Your self-talk is, you're so stupid. You never do anything right. You're so dumb. You'll never amount to anything. Never happens to you. I mean, you just you constantly speak lies to yourself. Stop it. Speak truth in your heart. Speak truth in your heart. Silence those lies from the enemy and speak truth in your heart. Watch faith grow. Wow. You'll move mountains. Literally. Yeah. Amen. No backbiting. They don't do evil to a neighbor. They don't give reproach to a friend. They honor those who fear the Lord. Man, if we could see that. You know what? <clears throat> if just 75% of the Christians would change their heroes... Really? You, 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 you really, you really want that guy to be your hero. Every other word is the F word. He sleeps around, not faithful to his marriage covenant. He's violent. You want, sir, why do you want him for a hero? Oh, he plays basketball. Oh, he plays football. Oh, he makes movies. He's lost. Get a better hero. Honor those who fear the Lord. Sis, can I be honest with you? You're not going to be a movie star. And that woman you're trying to be like, she doesn't look like that either. Those pictures are photoshopped. But what's even worse is her heart is very dark and very evil. You don't want to be like her. Get a hero. Learn about Mary Slessor. Learn about Amy Carmichael. 
Learn about a woman of God that walked it out. See, here's a significant part of the problem. Hang on to your chair because you're, you're going to fall over. And I don't, I don't, two-thirds of you probably have already made mad anyway. <laughs> but you've got to hear the truth. Because what you're believing is killing you right now. One of the reasons that these fallen people is so shocking in Christianity is because we look to these people as role models and we think that because they record Christian music, that because they're on television, that because they've, they've got a mega church, they, they, they're great heroes and we look to them as heroes. Can I tell you? The real hero is that local pastor that has been serving for 20, 30 years in that local church and has stayed faithful to God through those 30 years. That's the hero. That's the hero. The hero is that godly grandma and grandpa. Now, hang on. This is where it's going to get tough. The problem we have in America is that 52% of the marriages in the church are failing. And so our kids do not have role models that they can look to. And so they're looking to somewhere, they're looking to that fantasy. We've got to get God back in the home and we've got to get God back in our marriages. That's why we're doing Courageous. Sir, you need to get yourself out here on Wednesday nights. And you got to learn how to become a man of God. How to lead your marriage, how to lead your children. How to be a man that your children can look up to and be proud of. Because that's what will turn it around. When our kids can once again look at mom and dad and see that role model and go, I want to be like her. I want to be like her. Because that's what makes the difference. When they see someone that lives it out for a lifetime right before their eyes. Grandma, grandpa. I'll, I'll never forget Bonnie and Mara's oldest boy talking to me. He was, I think he was about 10 years old at the time. And he said to me, my dad is a man of God. You know how I know that? No, Philip, tell me how you know that. Because I see him every morning reading his Bible and praying. Yes. Are you going to live it perfect? Ah, no. But can I tell you, when you're seeking God with all your heart and you mess up, and then you get down on one knee so you can look that, that kid eye to eye and say, Dad was wrong. Will you please forgive me? I forgive you, Daddy. You just grew 10 feet in their eyes. You become a giant of the faith. They're not asking you to do it perfect. They just want you to do it authentic. Just live it authentic. See, we're not doing that anymore. We, we, have, we have drank the Kool-Aid. We've got to keep him in football. We've got to keep him in basketball. We've got to keep him in baseball. We've got to keep him in dance. We've got to keep him in gymnastics. We've got to keep him there, keep him there. And so mom and dad are running, running, running their kids to all these things. And so you know who their role models are? The coaches. The professional ball players. That's their role models. Because where else are they going to get it? Because all you got time for is McNuggets.
We don't sit around the table anymore. Listen, hear. You'd be amazed what you would learn around the table when you sit around the table eyeball to eyeball. Instead of sitting in front of the TV with a TV tray. You sit around the table. Now, I know I'm old-fashioned, and I know I'm older than dirt, but I'm going to tell you something. One of the best things we could do in America is get rid of the TVs out of the kids' rooms, get rid of, get rid of the iPads, the iPhones out of the kids' rooms. Have a locking cabinet. When they come home, they got to lock it up for three hours in the evening so we can be family. Nobody. Dad, Mom, lock yours up too. So we can be family. And we sit around the table. We have dinner together. We talk around the table. I listen to what they have to say. I'm hearing them talk. You're hearing them talk. They're hearing you talk. They see you live it out. You're walking it real and genuine. And when there's a crisis in the family, you don't go running to the pill cabinet. You don't go running to the doctor. You don't go running to a counselor. You run to Jesus. And you seek him. I probably better get back to my notes. This was all extra. Go to the next slide for me, will you? Psalm 27. He said this, one thing have I desired of the Lord. You know what's amazing about that is in the last verse of the previous psalm, King David had said this, Lord, I've loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. And I want to ask you, do you love that? Do you love spending time with God? Do you every day just look forward to that time with God? Or do you have to read the Bible? Well, I got to read the Bible. I mean, you got to read the Bible. Well, I'm a Christian. I got to read the Bible. Are you kidding me? That's kind of like saying, I'm a human being. I got to eat. That's not, you don't think that way at all. Man, it's so weird. Oh, man, I got to spend the evening with Wanda. <laughs> Can I tell you, that was in no way my thought. I worked all day long waiting for 5 o'clock so I could get in my car and drive to 2209 First Avenue North and stay there until her dad got home from work and said, don't you think it's time you went back to the base? <laughs> I wanted to spend every moment with her because I loved her. Can I tell you? I love my time with Father because I love him and he loves me and he assures me every day he loves spending time with me. How I love your habitation. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. So what you going to do there? That I may behold his beauty. That's first. Behold his beauty. See, I want to tell you something. The more you spend time with him, the more you see him, the more you fall in love with him because he is so amazingly wonderful. But here's the next thing. That I may inquire in his temple. Prayer. And this is where I'm closing. Prayer. Quick. Prayer. Prayer. We don't pray anymore. Not enough. I remember a really young Christian hearing 
great men of God like J. Frank Spivey, Ray H. Hughes. J. Frank Spivey was one of the really early Pentecostal preachers of America. Came out of South Georgia. Never finished school, but was self-educated, self-taught. Pastored one of the largest churches in America. Painted pictures with words. Ray H. Hughes was considered the greatest Pentecostal preacher in the world. I'd hear stories about these men. How they would spend hours in prayer. Then when I got to know them and I got to see their families and I saw their families walking with God, loving God. Then I began reading heroes of the faith John Wesley Charles Finney George Whitfield D.L. Moody I read how that the bedside of John Wesley in the wooden floor there were two grooves that he had wore into that wooden floor where his knees were on that wooden floor rocking back and forth, praying hour after hour. He prayed until he literally wore grooves in the wooden floor beside his bed. We don't, we don't pray like that today. Oh, but we brand real well. We brand real well. We have mega churches, but they're houses of entertainment. see the sweeping move of the Holy Spirit that brings such conviction that people fall on their face in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we don't pray. When a son or daughter is in trouble, do you pray, sir? Do you pray? Do you give up nights of sleep even though you've got to go to work the next day because you're going to pray till that child comes back where they need to be? Listen to how it says it in, in the book of Hosea, chapter 10. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've lost all track of time. And if we're here till 5 o'clock, so be it. Listen to how it says it in Hosea 10, 12. Listen. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Listen. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. See what God is saying? God is saying to his people, people, you don't realize it, but your heart has become crusty. You still come to church, you read the Bible, you talk about how much you love me, you sing my songs but you don't realize your heart has become crusty. And because your heart has become crusty, you cannot grow righteousness the way you need to grow righteousness. And so you will entertain yourself with movies that have filth in it. You'll entertain yourself with songs and rappers that have filth in it. You'll listen to stuff that have F-bombs and stuff in it, and you'll say, well, yeah, it has that, but boy, it has a great story. And I'm saying to you, I want you to reap righteousness and mercy. And I'm telling you, you are more concerned 
about who's crossing the southern border than you are concerned about who's crossing the borders into your home and destroying your children. Your children are being destroyed. Your grandchildren are being destroyed because the walls are down in your home and the devil is coming in and destroying the kids. And you give no attention to it. You let them do whatever they want to do on their pads and their phones. Of course, hardly any kid has a pad anymore. Now it's all phone. They carry around a phone that's big enough to be an entire computer. And they're being destroyed. And no one's at the watch. No one's guarding it. Because mom and dad, you're not taking the time to pray and seek the Lord. You're not letting the fallow ground of your heart be broke up. You're not letting the fallow ground of your heart being broke up. So Holy Spirit's not moving you and drawing you and melting your heart. And you're not weeping before Almighty God for your children and your grandchildren. And Almighty God says, church, it's time to be a difference maker. Look at who's falling around you. It is time to rise up as the true church of the living God and make a difference. ready for one more okay. when, when God says I want to rain righteousness on you he's not talking about just a Sunday that feels good and you go home and go, oh that was so good that was so good I, and I, I love that but I want to tell you is there's more see I've, I've been there there's more see I can talk about this with you because I've been there been privileged to go through three authentic revivals. I've been there. Where it's not just a light mist that falls and it feels good. It is a rain that simply soaks you and sweeps you and it creates a flood and it sweeps you away. And it so sweeps you away. You're so caught up in the flood uh, that, that's rising from that rain that is just soaking everything until you lose all connection with time and you can absolutely care less how long you're there. But here's the other thing. here today you'll hear this throughout the media today when real revival comes you're going to see miracles and signs and wonders that's true but that's not what God talks about when he talks about real revival what God talks about when he talks about real revival is people coming back to the Lord. Backsliders being restored. He talks about the sinners coming and being saved. He's talking, he talks about lost sons and daughters coming back. That's what he talks about. See, when God talks about revival in the Holy Scripture, see, he, oh yeah, he says these signs shall follow them that believe, but that's just supposed to be normal. Signs follow them that believe. But when revival comes, that's when there is a great harvest of souls 
and backsliders that come back to the Lord and lost sons and daughters who come to the Lord. That's what I'm looking for. Week after week after week on our clipboards, we have lists of sons and daughters that we pray for week after week after week who are lost. And we pray for them faithfully for you. I'm going to tell you something. You got to get in there too. You need to be spending some time. I want to I want to ask you a really tough question. When is the last time you missed two or three days of meals because you wanted to see souls saved? Has your son or daughter or your grandkids ever seen you serve dinner to everyone else? But you were not eating because you were fasting to see souls saved. When's the last time? See, that's the problem. I'm serious. That's the problem. That's the problem. We got to take it serious. And that's why God is giving us this message today that we've got to become difference makers. But we will not be difference makers until the prayer level of this house rises. The prayer level of this house will not rise until we make the decision. We are going to seek the Lord with all our heart. With all our heart, we're going to seek Him. We're going to be those people that are 24-7, 365, seeking God, and we're going to raise the prayer level here until we see revival come. And we're going to know revival's coming because we're going to see backsliders come back to the Lord. We're going to see sons and daughters coming to the Lord. We're going to see people that are the worst of sinners in our community coming to the Lord. We're going to see a harvest of souls. That's when revival's coming. a part of this the months that have five Sundays that starts in September the months that have five Sundays the fifth Sunday night of the month we're closing down life groups we're going to hold a worship and prayer service let me tell you what that's not that's not a preaching service Let me tell you what it is. We're going to worship. We're going to get into the very presence of God. And then we are going to pray and intercede. And we're going to do deep intercession. Deep intercession, crying out for God. It starts the rest of this year, September, and then December 29th. We're going we're to seek God. And then the next one is in March. And then in May, and the May one, we're going to go to the Butte. And we've got some folks in our house that have shofars. We're going to blow the shofars. We're going to call in revival. I'm serious. When we go to the Butte in May, we're going to invite a couple of other churches to join us. We're, 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 going, we're going after it, folks. We're going after it. We have intercessors that meet every week, and I thank God for that group. They, they pray. They seek God with all their heart. We have Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Come join us for prayer at 9 o'clock. Prayer walk this room. Lay hands on the chairs. Prayer walk. Let's cry out to God. Come on. Let's cry out to God. Come help me pray. Prayer walk this room. The worship team's finishing up their, their, their warm-up. Then when they get done, they join us. Man, come join us at 9 o'clock. Prayer walking in this room. 
We, we have the doors closed so we, we're not disturbed in here. We prayer welcome, lay hands on the chairs, pray, seek God, crying out for God. We want to see revival. We want to see Holy Spirit move. We want to see souls saved. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. We're going to do it. I'm going to open up this altar. This is a time to pray. I am not going to pray for you. You're going to pray. It's time to seek the Lord. You can seek the Lord up here in this altar. Kneel up here. Kneel these front chairs. You can prayer walk around the room. But it is time to seek the Lord. I'm going to ask you to pray until you've prayed. Sir, you need to pray until you've prayed. Sis, you need to to pray. You need to seek God. We've got to see, we've got to see God move until we, we are making a difference. Would you join me in prayer? I open the altars. You come as you are. We're going to pray. She's going to sing. We're going to pray. Yeah. 